is English the global language? I'll let you in on a secret. It's not. <laughs> Although Americans like to think that it is. There are many other countries where you can sell a lot more if you put a little translation in there. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I am your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Wendy Pease from Rapport International. How are you doing, Wendy? I am doing great. I'm staying cool. <laughs> nice. I know. Not like a lot of people right now. <laughs> Yeah. So you're the owner and president of Rapport International, a Metro West Boston translation and interpretation service company specializing in marketing, legal and medical slash life science translation. And throughout your career, you worked with hundreds of companies to help them communicate across more than 200 languages and cultures. Wendy also wrote the language of global marketing, which provides the roadmap for business builders to find a new revenue from a global audience with the right content and tools. Wendy, I'm going to ask you right off the top, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do, and then we'll get into talking a little bit more about turning domestic strategies into international sales. Okay, will do. Now, Matt, I, you asked me how I was doing, but I didn't ask you how you were doing. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous. I actually, strangely enough, not to get too sidetracked, but I listened to this podcast called Social Media Labs for years, and I just interviewed the host of Social Media Labs before I started this. So it was really fun to actually like talk to somebody in real life who I listened to on recordings for a long time. So that was pretty fun. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And also, it's really, really hot here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you stayed cool by listening to one of your uh podcast hosts that you've been listening to a long time and I got a little fan in a pool here so it takes all types <laughs> that's right yeah yeah well I'll have to go back and listen to that one when you launch it yeah so what I do is I help people connect across languages and cultures by providing high quality translation and interpretation services actually I don't do that I have a whole team that does that because we do it in over 200 languages and I've got an internal team that has a 100% on-time delivery rate and a 100% quality guarantee. And then we work with hundreds and hundreds of linguists that specialize in certain topics and certain languages so we can really match a client's project to what they need done. And you don't speak 200 languages yourself? No. No, <laughs> I do a small fraction of the work, <laughs> like talk to you. I get to do the fun stuff. That's right. <laughs> the hard stuff is the translation interpretation. These people are amazing people. <laughs> now, interpretation is a pretty big thing when you're converting, especially marketing messages, because I've heard some pretty big horror stories over the years. Oh, yeah. So have you run into anything where somebody kind of tried to do their own translation work and it didn't really work out the way they'd hoped? Well, I've got all sorts of stories about that. We post on social media all the time. So if you're on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, we've got them going out all the time or you can get on our email list. But yeah, there's all all sorts. I mean, all sorts of them. One of my favorites is English to English. So <laughs> 
<laughs> Electrolux was coming over from the UK into the US and their tagline worked really well over there, but it didn't go over so hot here in the US. They Their tagline is, it sucks. Electrolux, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> kind of have it had a different meaning here. So they had to work on that one. I've heard some, some horror stories of people, you know, naming their their products, things in other languages that come out to, you know, the equivalent of, of curse words and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, well, there was the Got Milk campaign that was here in the United States for Spanish speakers. I, You know, it's a little known fact that Spanish, the second largest Spanish speaking market is here in the U.S. So Mexico has the most Spanish speakers. Here in the U.S. we have the second. And then all the other Spanish speaking countries, you know, with Spain and Peru and Argentina and Nicaragua, all the other ones. But whoever launched that awesome got milk campaign with the milk mustache with all the famous people they had somebody who wasn't a professional translator do it and so they they said i leche which should be right it's the the two words are correct but it has a different meaning in spanish it means are you lactating (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's not really the same message no 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 no. it was a mistake (laughs) it probably got a lot of attention though they say you got to stand out in your marketing that's that's one way to do it it's yeah but i bet the, the the milk people took that one down real quickly because that wasn't the message they were trying to give across so i haven't i haven't seen that one since uh, since it went up and came down <laughs> braniff had one. Oh yeah okay another spanish one that they have the nice leather seats and so they, you know, fly in leather is their tagline. And so in Spanish, they did vuela en cuello. And in some countries, that meant fly naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you got to pay extra for that ticket. <laughs> Let me ask this question. You talk about using domestic or translating domestic strategies into international sales and profits. What do you mean by that? That means that if you want to launch in another country, in another language, there's a huge opportunity to do so by leveraging your website and the internet. It used to be you had to fly over there and develop all sorts of relationships and set up a whole structure in order to sell in another country. Now people are becoming accidental exporters by just having a website because people from all over the world can find them. So if you take your time and develop a domestic marketing strategy, there's some, you know, quick little tricks that you can do to increase your international sales and therefore profits. And so I wrote the book to really guide people through on how to think about a strategy, like which countries are you going to go into? What are your ultimate goals? What can you actually sell there? What kind of research do you have to do? And then think about where do you leverage uh, technology? You know, can you put the Google plugin in your website? No, I'll just tell you the answer to that one right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely cannot put the Google Translate plugin. And after, you know, I'm finished here, if you want to get into Google Translate mistakes, I could get into a whole bunch of those. So you have strategy, you have technology, but what, what does make sense to leverage? I talk about some instances where machine translation, some companies are leveraging that really good. Then you have to think about the process, like what are 
are you going to translate? How are you going to get it done? Who do you hire? Do you hire your next door neighbor who's bilingual or do you get a professional? And then you think about the levels of quality that you need. You know, if you get an incoming email, you might not need a high quality translation for that. But if you're putting something on your website or how to order or instruction manuals, you're going to need uh, high quality content on there. So the book walks you through. It talks about, you know, is English the global language? I'll let you in on a secret. It's not. <laughs> Although Americans like to think that it is. There are many other countries where you can sell a lot more if you put a little translation in there. So lots of fun in the book. There's there's stories, there's personal stories, there are mistakes that companies made, there's a roadmap on how to get it done. So that's why I wrote, wrote the book and that's what it's about. Nice. There's also, talking about Google Translate, there's, there's definitely uh, a lot more options nowadays than, you know, Google Translate and even more options than just having a different website for each language. There's a lot of like WordPress plugins and things like that nowadays that you can use that will detect the language of the machine that's that's coming to your website and uh, you know it can automatically switch to the correct translation for people. There's ways that you can have, you know, like a drop down like you see almost of you know like the Canadian government websites are all in English and French so you can you know have a drop down or something go to them. So there's lots of ways to do it. Yeah, there certainly is. When you're talking about WordPress, the plugin that's most frequently used is WPML. So that's a plugin that can help you pull the content out and then have your human translate it, your, your human translator who can give you a quality and then you push it back up. And so it's real important that that somebody who understands marketing, understands your industry, and is fully bilingual in both languages to do that. Now, the technology that works well is translation memory. So if you're using copy over and over again, like you would in social media and website and marketing, once you translate something, you keep a memory of that. What's, that's what we do as an agency. And then when you translate something again, we can pull from the memory and provide that. So it, be, it keeps that consistency of voice. And then, you know, so that's the first thing is, is there are, you know, if you're in WordPress, if you're in HubSpot or Drupal or other ways, there's, there's different ways to handle that same thing. Then you were talking about the drop down. Industry standard is to put the globe on the top right hand side of the website and then have when you click on that the languages are translated. So this is for somebody that could manually navigate through your website to get to a, a different language and that's the best practice. Also see some people will bury it in their locations page. Well nobody if you don't speak the language you can't navigate to the locations page to even find the translation. I see other people putting it down at the bottom of their website and then not translating the language so it might be an English language website, and then I'll say Spanish, Chinese, and Russian down at the bottom. Well, if you don't speak English, you wouldn't know what those words were. So I see all that, all sorts of navigation issues on the website. So I'm I'm really glad that you you brought that up. Yeah, WPML is one that we use for ours to translate to English to Spanish. And then because we have an office in Costa Rica, so we have someone there who's a native Spanish speaker that was able to translate. But yeah, it works really well. And uh, that's a good option for people. It's also, I, you know, the thing that you were saying about the different languages, uh, 
when I was doing some work with a company, we we're trying to source some things from China. Man, was it difficult to try and figure out which button in Chinese actually meant English. You basically <laughs> just have to go through and click them all, right? And, you know, you click every one until you find something that looks sort of like English and then, you know, you muddle your way through it. But they could have really used your help. Yeah. Another thing that's interesting with some of the larger companies is they'll have your IP address tagged to a certain country. And so if you're searching in China, it's going to feed you the Chinese content. But I also recommend that you still put the globe up there because if I'm an English speaker in China and I get the Chinese website and I don't see the globe, there's no way I'm back into that circle of what you were talking about is I've got to know the Chinese characters for English to even navigate to it. So I give warning to companies to not just do the IP direction, but also to add the globe up there. Right. So the IP based is where it does a geolocation lookup based on the IP address and figures out where that IP address is coming from. But that also gets messed up if someone's using something like a VPN. Yes. So the IP address won't come from the actual source. Another thing that they do is your browser has a language setting in it. Also, Windows or your Mac will have a language setting, and you can detect those settings. And what you can do is you can have it kind of do an average, right? You can have it say, well, you know, their IP address says they're in the United States, but their browser and their computer both say Spanish. So we're going to give them U.S. Spanish as the as the initial language. But I think you're definitely right. They should have a drop down that you know, where they can select the language. And it should remember that the next time you come back, right? Um, I s often I've gone to other language sites in the past where you come back and you got to figure out how to set it every single time. It gets to be a pain in the ass. It's just not a good user experience. No, it's not. That's what you want them. You want to get you want to try to anticipate the user, but you want to give them the choice to navigate it easily, which is exactly what you're saying. Right. You know, there's another thing that people forget a lot because especially if they're from I, I see it in a lot of people that are from either the UK or the United States is that they're not really taught the differences in English languages and spelling for other countries. And so they spell things in their in their local spelling of English, which is different in another place. Like a good example of that is you spell color C-O-L-O-R in the United States, but it's C-O-L-O-U-R in Canada and the UK and Australia. You know, so there's different spellings for different words. And you need to be able to put that if you're doing advertising that's in multiple countries. Yeah, so that gets to a really interesting question. And I, I, I call it, and the industry calls it, like globalization versus localization. So localization, you're going to want to use with exactly what you're talking about. If, if you're selling soccer balls, that's my, my favorite because, you know, it's a worldwide sport. And if you're talking about the color of soccer balls, you've got to make sure that English spelling is correct and that you're using local heroes and references and players and colors of the balls that you're selling. So you really have to localize in and plus put the currency in the local currency for driving somebody to buy. Now, if I'm an engineer and I'm looking for a cooling fan and I find out the best one is from the UK and they spell color, you know, with the O-U-R, that's not going to bother me because I'm, I'm an industrial buyer. So it's not as easy as saying, 
if you have consumer products, you have to localize. And if you're industrial products, you can globalize. It's not as simple as that, but that's a general guideline of where you may be able to get away with it. Yeah, it seems that if you're doing any advertising that has sort of a personal connection or an emotional connection to it or any kind of kind of like storytelling in the advertising, you're really going to need to do the localization side. You know, if I if I open my, I don't know, like my piece of electronics and the jargon is obviously in the in the manuals, not written by a native English speaker. It doesn't bother me as long as I can figure it out. You know, but it will make a difference if somebody's, you know, trying to sell me, say, books that I'm going to read, teach my five year old, you know, how to read better. It better be spelled correctly. Right. 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 That's exactly it. And then you've also got to look at the companies. I mean, it's interesting that less than one percent of U.S. companies export. And 98% of those are small and mid-sized companies. So if you have a smaller and mid-sized company that's going international, they may not have a budget to localize and put in all the different languages of their whole website. So there's so many different ways you could look at it. One is, is that you don't localize. You know, you go general. Another way to look at it is you localize, but you do a microsite which could be just, you know, an about us and the few products that you're selling and then how to order. Or it could be just a landing page where, you know, you click on the globe, you click on the language, and it brings you to one landing page with the information that you need. So when people call us up and they say, how much is it going to cost to translate my website? We always have to go back and start with, well, what's your strategy? You know, and then we can figure out process technology and, and quality. Interesting thing that I've seen is companies like Ikea, it does a good job of it. I've seen it in Lego, like my kids got a lot of Lego now, and they will have two separate manuals, one that has kind of the basic instructions in all the different languages and one little kind of flip manual, like a tiny little paper one. But the actual instructions on how to use it are always pictures because then there's no translation on the how to use it end, which is great for something that's simple. But when you get into, you know, if you're going to buy like a two ton Liebert air conditioner or something to put on your office building, you're going to want translated instructions. You're not going to want some Lego pictures. Right. So it really depends on on the use case for the product. Like you were saying, microsites are a great idea because you could actually use less copy on them. So that there is less chance of kind of making a mistake. Well, I mean, that's not, <laughs> I wouldn't say there's less chance of making a mistake. I mean, there's, it, it can be more affordable to get your message across. Because if you're coming to us, we have a 100% guarantee on our quality. So <laughs> there's a lot of things that go into ensuring that you're getting the quality that you need. Right. Well, I was going to ask you, so if somebody comes to you and they're going to translate their website, maybe their marketing materials, packaging, you know, whatever it is that goes into the product or service that they do. What is the beginning of that kind of engagement look like? It starts with strategy. Why are you coming to us to translate? I mean, we had somebody come to us because they had a French translation done. It was done by somebody in Haiti and they were marketing in France and they kept getting complaints about it. Well, whoever hired for translation just didn't know how to pick the right person. They said, oh, you speak French? Okay, you do it. So we want to know where, we want to know what, we 
want to know how. So we're trying to figure out then, you know, if they have a budget, we want to hear what that is so we can try to work within it to meet their goals. And we want to understand what they're what they're trying to accomplish. And then we also we do what's called lingu- what we call linguistic matchmaking. So once we understand what the strategy is, we will assign a translator that will stay with that client through the lifetime of the engagement because translation is like writing where once you get to know more and more about the client or the subject matter, your knowledge increases and so you can become more efficient at it. You know, so we in there, we provide a quote and get authorization and pick the translator and send it out. Then there's all sorts of editing choices that we can make. Do they want us to edit it with an equally qualified translator? Do they have internal folks or a distributor that they want uh, to review? Then we get those edits tracked back to us because we always want to keep a final copy and continue that learning. And we keep archives of it. We have one client that's been with us for over 30 years, so sometimes their project managers turn over and they'll come back to us for the original content so they can re-release projects. So we're really trying to form, you know, an understanding of what the client is trying to accomplish so we can anticipate and, and meet their needs. When I first bought the company, sometimes I'd get a client call up and say, it's just a bad translation. And I would go into a panic because, <laughs> you know, they were saying it was bad and I might not read the language. And I'd go back to the translator who would look at the tracked edits and say, oh, yeah, this person, you know, just changed one word or they changed the message or, yeah, they're using the word dinner instead of supper. That's just a personal choice. And so now whenever I hear this translation is bad, I'm like, okay, explain to me why, and we're going to work through it. And most of the time it comes back that it's just a stylistic change. I've had translators like quote dictionaries at me or grammar rules because whoever edited it put it in a colloquial, you know, a very conversational style. And they're like, but you can't do that in writing according to dictionary such and such and grammar rules such and such. It has to be like this in the written copy. So it's it's just fascinating. I mean, it's such a fun industry to be in. Right. Does does it work the same if it's going to be like voiceovers or audio video content? Ah, excellent question. So translation is written. Interpreting is spoken. So we also send people out to meetings and appointments and Zoom calls so they can do the the translation there. And then simultaneous interpreting is like conferences. We also have telephone interpreting. So say you want to talk to somebody from Germany, you could get somebody on the phone to facilitate it. Now, when you're talking about chat on a website or voiceovers or that that kind of thing it's kind of a cross between the two but ultimately if it can be if it's a voiceover where it's very structured that would be translated and then the voiceover artist, you know, the, who speaks the language is actually going to record it just like you have your voice actor record it in English. So they can't do it live. So many times somebody will just say, can I have a voiceover actor that could take the English and read it in another language? And that's just too hard because grammar, structure, formatting, you know, word choice, all that is too hard to do on the fly. If you're in an in-person interpreting situation, there's more communication 
explanations. It's shorter bits. If something's not clear, you can stop the speaker and ask for clarification. So there's all sorts of little tricks to get your message across. Nice. So the book is The Language of Global Marketing. And Wendy, if somebody wants to reach out to you to get more information about translations, what is the best way for them to do There's, If you want to buy the book, you can go to Amazon and search for The Language of Global Marketing, Wendy Pease. And if you want, you can go to my link tree and get all the links for a couple free chapters to our report international website to wendypease.com, which is my speaking so Linktree is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Wendy Pease. So all my social media is up there. So that's a good place to go. Otherwise, you can go to wendypease.com and that links to all the same places too. Nice. So we'll have those in the show notes below where you're listening to your podcast player right now, or you can get them at hookseo.com slash podcast, which is also translated into Spanish if you need it in Spanish. Wendy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. I really enjoyed speaking with you. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.